and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one well-dressed page of Talmud every day. Now, if you've ever lost someone close to you, you know that there's a custom for Jews to tear a little tear in your shirt whenever a close relative dies. And I remember seeing this done recently when my own grandmother passed away. And not to my credit, the question on my mind was, well, what happens to the shirt now? Can you ever fix it or do you have to throw the shirt away? And in today's page of Talmud, Moed Katan 22, the Talmud answers. Here's what it says. The Baraita continues, with regard to all other deceased relatives, one may tack the tear with rough stitches after seven days, and one may join the edges more carefully after 30 days. But in the case of one's father or mother, he may tack the tear only after 30 days, and he may never again join the edges more carefully. A woman, however, may tack the tear immediately due to her honor, for it would be dishonorable for her to be seen with torn garments. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I know much about women or about women's clothes, and so I have the absolute honor of having on the show one of my absolute favorite thinkers, scholars, writers, humans. She is Leandra Medine, the founder of the Man Repeller blog and an expert on all things fashion, Talmud, and the intersections thereof. Leandra, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. My name is actually Leandra Medine Cohen. I married a Cohen because I wanted my sons to work in the Beit HaMikdash should Mashiach arrive. <laughs> I only have daughters now, though. You, play, so. you played the long game is what you're saying. I you're did. Like, I, yes. Just to be sure we're close to the source. Let's do it right. Okay. So enlighten me. I'm, I'm reading this and the Talmud seems to think, and obviously there's a matter of tznius or propriety, but it seems to say something very different. It seems to say that it's dishonorable for women to be wearing torn garments. I've, I've seen some women dressed around New York City with garments that appeared, you know, quite, quite torn. What's going on on the page today? What, what is the Talmud getting right or wrong about this? I'm thinking about this and I will let you into my thought process because I'm listening to this, I'm reading it, I see it, and I'm thinking, wow, this is so patriarchal, if I'm being cynical about it, right? To say that a woman is dishonored by simple virtue of what she's wearing really distracts from what's important to her and minimizes the grief. But then I think about it a little bit more, and I'm like, well, no, it's actually anti-patriarchal. Because the thing that's so beautiful about Judaism, and we see this time and time again in very different ways to the extent that intercourse is a mitzvah, and there's a lot of reference of drinking alcohol in the Bible and doing that in joy, you know, not drinking to feel better, but drinking to feel even better. And so I'm thinking about this and I'm like, maybe it's anti-patriarchal because actually it's just sinking into the natural tendencies of a woman. It's like this roadmap that we still haven't completed our journey through and down to, to define a matriarchy that exists in the modern world. Does that make sense to you? Do you understand what I'm saying? It makes it makes perfect sense to me. In other words, you seem to be coming in from a position of like, look, if if we're if we're being honest about it, yes, women like to think yes, through what they like want to address. And women, I mean, if you think about the ideals of femininity, it's it's aesthetic, it's nurturing, it's beautiful. There are a number of adjectives that are associated with femininity that have historically, through the different waves of feminism, been taken down in different ways and then resurrected. 
And I really do believe that we're on the precipice of some, some change, some form of reconciliation that enables us to redefine these characteristics, not as things to avoid or things to indulge in as they've been stereotypically defined, but instead to accept and bring in to our power. That sounds good, but I'm not sure if I'm saying it. Like, I'm not sure if I mean what I'm saying. Well, you know, the, the Talmud kind of seems to support this, however. It, it doesn't say, I mean, if you if you read that last line closely, it doesn't say a woman, however, must tack the tear immediately or otherwise be a harlot. It's like may tack the tear immediately if she wishes to. If that's your fashion sensibility, you don't want to wear torn clothes. You have a sort of like kind of a, was that a Betsy Johnson vibe that I'm thinking about? Like you want to be that person? Go ahead. If you want to be like, Debbie Harry and Blondie wear torn jeans. Cool. Yeah. And so I actually, I don't know if I'm traveling too far off right now, but it actually made me think a little bit about Colisha also when I was thinking about this. Cause in my head, I'm like, oh, this is so cynical. Like a woman's honor is so wrapped up in what she wears and she's grieving. And why should she, why is a man not responsible for, you know, honoring himself in the same way? And then I went to, wait, no, that just doesn't make sense. Like a man's power and a woman's power is very different. And if part of a woman's power is is her presentation, can't we absorb that or think about it less cynically? Can't we think about that as actually a natural tendency of a woman that we lean into and that we don't exploit or capitalize in any like cynical commercial way? but which we just accept as true in a very nuanced way. And so I started thinking about Kolisha too. And I was like, but then why can't a woman's voice be heard? The way that I always learned it was because men can't handle it. And I was like, why do I need to be responsible for whether or not a man can handle to hear my voice? And then I was like, wait a second. Maybe this is another way that a woman taps into her power. I think about my own career, for example, and the way that I spoke constantly for 10 years. And it made me feel very powerful. And then I stopped speaking. And in many ways, because I didn't defend myself or communicate in the way that I always had, I lost a lot of power. But without that moment, I wouldn't be emerging as something very different and new right now without having quieted myself, without having participated in Kol Isha for lack of a better metaphor, although there is none. Um, I wouldn't have been able to to go in and sink in. And I think intuition, by the way, the sort of turning your eyes in and looking inside of you instead of getting stuck in your head and shooting your eyes out so that you can relay information to a a bunch of third parties is very feminine also trusting what happens inside of you and that can't happen when you're communicating to an audience that's what happens when you're with yourself you know it's it's so fascinating uh this is this is a complete aside but the best telmuda conversations often are i once heard it said from rabenu francis ford coppola who kind of had a rough time when he was filming the godfather sort of understanding why, why was that that you know uh, the Godfather was speaking in this in this kind of tone? And he he walked up to Marlon Brando and he said like I can't hear a freaking word you're saying. Why are you mumbling like this? And Marlon Brando just looked at him and Coppola sort of thought about this and then realized it was that quiet reflection that made 
the Godfather so powerful. He didn't feel like he needed to project himself to have a voice and power and position. He knew he had the power. Others came close to him to get it, to be charged. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it makes sense. There is this sense of self-knowing. It's a very quiet but almost divine kind of confidence that is often associated with femininity. But, and to continue to use a term I don't particularly care to use, we are so steeped in what is a patriarchal society right now that it often seems impossible to see our traits outside of that lens. I was thinking about when I was learning Judaism, when I was growing up and halacha and Talmud and Jewish Bible. And I was like, the Jewish Bible, an ancient text can't reinforce a trope, you know? And so therefore it creates one. I don't choose to to experience Judaism in that way. I don't choose to experience Judaism in such a way that tropes are created so much as principles are delivered. And it seems to me that because of how we are living and where we are living, many of the perspectives with which we approach the ancient texts are steeped in a modern mindset, even though there is this consistent divine evergreen wisdom about what we're learning. And so if you can strip away the cynicism for however long, just suspend it. You don't need to not live cynically because, you know, cynicism protects you in some ways also. But if you can strip it away while you're learning, you can actually find that there are really meaningful and beautiful ways to consider actually how progressive these notions are. Like for a text to say a woman's honor should not be taken from her and therefore she can stitch up her clothes can really be very meaningfully internalized as look at this book that is so that sees me that is so aware of me that can recognize what is important to me and not dismiss it and also continue to foster my grief for whatever the thing is amen set la leandro medin cohen May the third Bet HaMikdash be built. May your sons and daughters uh, serve as priests there. And, and may we tear down the patriarchy one stitch at a time. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Studios. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz, and our producers are Josh Cross, Sarah Fredman Ader, and Robert Scarmuccia, with help from Quinn Waller. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeonedafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon. <laughs>